Hey, Groovers, this is Tim with a few announcements. First, Kurt and I are taking a short summer break, so we're not releasing new episodes for a couple of weeks. In the meantime, we're bringing you episodes from our most loved conversations with guests and a couple of grooving sessions where Kurt and I dive deep on behavioral science topics. Second, if you've not yet had a chance to subscribe to our Patreon site, the address is www.patreon forward slash behavioralgrooves.com. And we'd be very grateful if you join the growing gaggle of groovers who support this global top 20 social science podcast. Lastly, Kurt and I are working on a series called New Voices, where we talk to PhD students and newly minted PhDs to find out what these new voices say about the future of behavioral science. We hope you'll check out those episodes in a few weeks. We thank you for your support, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Behavioral Grooves. My name is Kurt Nelson. And I'm Tim Houlihan. And we explore the why we do what we do question and then apply the answers to our work and life. Today, we're actually doing a continuation of our series on the principles of persuasion by Bob Cialdini. And with that, we are going to talk about scarcity. So, Tim, help us understand what is scarcity and why, are, why does it motivate people? Well, uh, i got to be quick, Kurt, because I've only got a minute. So, <laughs> no. so I'm valuing this more, aren't so, I? Right, so we value it more. So scarcity has a, a history of being uh, something that we've valued. Economics, for a long time, has said that uh, f- items where there are fewer available are necessarily worth more. Diamonds. They limit the supply of diamonds, thus diamonds are way more expensive than they really should be, given the fact that there's actually a whole lot of them. Exactly. And marketers have used this uh, for a long time. You know, you go to uh, an airline website and you're checking out the seats that are available and the airline will tell you there's only four seats left at this price. Yeah. Or, hey, sale ends today. Make sure you you buy now because you're going to get, you know, price is going to be jacked up. There's only a limited amount of time. Which is which is scarcity. But- or there's 10 more in, in stock. You know, order now. How do behavioral scientists define scarcity, Kurt? Basically, it gets down to people want more of the things that they have can have less of, right? There's this element of anticipated regret. So if we think about uh, the way that we value something, we, we anticipate the utility or the pleasure that we're going to get from it. But all of a sudden, if we think that it could be gone in the future... Wow, that that means that I need to get it now because I'm anticipating that regret. And actually, that anticipated regret uh, impacts my emotions right now, which right is part now. of the reason that we, we, we go for it. It goes back to prospect theory. It goes back to a number of those different components about, you know, how certain we are about things and various different things. And so that's a... If there's less of it, I need to be more certain about getting it now because I'm, I'm less certain about getting it in the future. And there's a lot of research around this, but Cialdini considered this was one of the six primary principles. It was. And so as you think about how you know, persuasion and how we get persuaded, things that are, you know, we're, we're more likely to buy something because it has because there's scarcity involved. Right. We're, we're more likely to do something because there's a limited number of opportunities for us to do it. Um, and I think that's really important. So even when it's not necessarily really natively important to us, like like the uh, like the, the cookie jar study, uh, they looked at a uh, giving people the option of, of getting a cookie out of a cookie jar that had 10 cookies in it 
or a cookie jar that had two cookies in it. And people preferred the cookie that came from the two cookie jar. But it was, it it was, was the exact same, same cookie. cookies. And yeah. that, was, uh, that was done by Wurchell. So, um, uh, and I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was really, you know, again, the, the component that's saying, oh, there's only two of these cookies left. It's, isn't it great that you got that one? You actually enjoyed that cookie more than when there, oh, there's 10 cookies. Everybody has one. So there's an element of kind of exclusivity that you get. It's the, you know, the, the Concorde for however many years was flying across and they, they, it was so, it got to the point where it was losing money. Well, as soon as they announced that it was, they were going away, the very next day they were sold out. Yeah. I mean, the Concorde was sold out because everybody wanted to fly on the Concorde now because they knew that in six months it was going to be, you know, stopped and they weren't going to do it. So. Which is part of why weddings uh, oftentimes are the biggest parties of our lives because we don't anticipate ever having another party as big as our wedding. So we so we go all out. Yeah. All out yeah. right? I, well, some of my yeah. friends have multiple parties but, but that's all, that's a separate thing they weren't anticipating that so there you go all right they weren't anticipating that so what's the application so i think one of the cool applications is how do we use this to really prioritize some of the things in our lives that are important to us and actually tim urban who uh has the the blog or the, the website called wait but why Great guy, does this great thing on procrastination, on TED Talk. If you haven't seen it, listen to it. Um, go watch it. It's fantastic. But he also has this thing that he calls a life calendar. And basically, it is just a, it's like a graph chart. 52 across, 90 down. So each little block in that graph is a week of your life. And so what he tells people to do is, look, you start filling it in. So I'm 52 years old, so I would whack out 52 lines across, de- or 52, yeah, 52 rows. 52 by 52. I have a perfect square. I never thought about that. Look you are a perfect square. I am a perfect square <laughs> on that. And then you look at that and you go, and if the average life is somewhere in, you know, 90, he, I think he has, but, you know, average life are in the 80s. I only have a third of of white space left on my life map, right? And then he also does things in in one of his blogs where he he does that and he he also overlays things with like, you know, how old are you and how old are your parents? And so how many years are you gonna have left with your parents? And so all of a sudden, you know, we, we don't necessarily think about that, but wow, that might only be 10 years. It might only be 20 years. It might only be five years on average. And so that becomes more scarce. And so we value it more. Or how many years, I, my wife and I think about this as, you know, our, my child, my oldest is 13. You know, he's going to leave for college, hopefully, you know, in five years. <laughs> and you right. know, we have five years left with him, That's you know. It. And so, yeah. yeah, he's going through teenage craziness. But you know what? I, I value that time with him much more now because I realize I only have five years really left of him living at home. Until he graduates college and comes back and crashes on the couch for the next 10 years. That, but that's, that's I'm not anticipating that like my friends aren't anticipating their second, third, and fourth <laughs> marriages. There you go. In addition to, uh, to value, focus gets created with scarcity. He talks S- about that, yeah. Sendhil Malinathan and Eldar Shafir wrote in their book about scarcity uh, the importance of, uh, of the creation of focus. And so uh, just as you're talking about, if you've blocked out 52 rows of your of your your lifelong chart, it is absolutely going to help you focus more on those final however many years, 30 plus years that are available. Uh, We can do that. We could limit that and actually put that to use more about how do we want to spend our day or our week. We could actually kind of cap it because time 
and money are the ultimate in scarcity. They are limited resources. Money isn't, but time is. <laughs> For me, money is. <laughs> and we could and we could absolutely have, uh, a, we could organize our day in such a way that says, what are the most precious things that we want to do today? And Well, and we have X number of hours in our day. To do them. And am I going to spend them, you know, twittering them away, quote unquote, right? <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, or am I going to spend them on things that have value for me? And yes. so, again, thinking about this from a focus component, I think is really interesting. A motivational element of having that, hey, this is this is, might be my last opportunity to spend some time with my with the 13 year old, my 13 year old son. He's going to turn 14 soon, you know, and this might be the last time I get to do something with him at this time. And that that then element of, of hey, this may be the last time or one of the last times I get to do this really adds some focus. And I think to your point, you know, helps us prioritize what we need to do and when we should do it. So we're not sitting there twittering away. No more twittering. No more twittering. With that, listeners, thanks How, for hanging out with us. Yes. Thank you for hanging out with us. And if you enjoyed this episode, we have uh, a number of more of the Cialdini components coming on. But leave a good review and let us know how we're doing. And with that, thank you.